and welcome to Steampunk Behind the Beans. I'm Kath, Steampunk's founder, and I'm really excited to be chatting today with Lisa Lawson from Dear Green and Fiona Grant from Glenline Coffee. Um, I have huge admiration for both of these women who've been running their coffee roasteries in different parts of Scotland. Um, for I think you guys, we've all been running businesses roughly the same time, haven't we? So, yeah, we will be 10 years in um, next year. Okay, yeah. so you guys were both a little before me, I think. How about you, Lisa? Yeah, we'll be 10 next year as well, but not, I think, um, yeah, Fiona's just before me. So we started in December. Okay. So, so yeah, we're nine, really. Nine, yeah. not really 10. <laughs> and we're eight. So yeah, we're the, the young ones here. <laughs> so but the first few years, I doesn't really count because I was in the middle of Highland Glen in a bothy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's fun. It's a happy day. I'm glad they're behind me. <laughs> You're glad that what? Sorry? Those... I'm glad the high, those days in a freezing bothy are behind me now. <laughs> and yeah. having this history down here. Yeah, it's a very romantic start though, isn't it? For the business. Yeah. <laughs> I was, well, I was just going to ask you guys maybe to start off by um, talking a little bit about how you started your businesses then. So yeah, uh, Fiona, would you like to maybe... Tell us a little bit more about how you started and about the, the Bothy. Yes, so um, I started roasting coffee in a Bothy in our house in Glen Lyon, which is a really remote but beautiful Glen in the Highlands up here in Perthshire. And um, I'd been inspired to do so after a trip to the States and seeing little micro roasters popping up and stuff. Um, but I bought a like a five kilo roaster off eBay. It was really dodgy roaster <laughs> and so plumbed it in myself quite badly. I actually gave myself carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculously stupid. And um, and bought some beans and just, it was trial and error really the first, the first few months. And then after a couple of years, we had grown and we moved down here to Aberfeldy. Um, I mean, Glen Line where we were roasting there was, at the top of a single track road, mm -hmm. which was a nightmare trying to dig out co coffee deliveries in the snow. Yeah. So we moved, we came down to the industrial park here in Aberfeldy to a roastery, to a roastery space and we bought a, a ProBat roaster. And um, we're actually just uh, about to uh, buy a 25 kilo roaster as well, which is very exciting, which is arriving next week. And we have a great, I have a great team here working with me now. And things have just gone from strength to strength. And obviously this year was all very crazy and we're adapting and trying to find a way to work through um, the crisis. But we've obviously been pushing our online sales a lot mm -hmm. and, um, and we still have wholesale. And we had a, a good late summer with tourism up here in the Highlands. But yeah, it's been difficult times. Yeah. But um, yeah, we've got a good team and a great project product. And I just love, you know, I love what I do. So I feel very blessed, very lucky. How did, um, how did your interest in coffee itself start though? How did you decide to start? Uh, doing so I, um, I used to live in uh, Bolivia in South America where I was a journalist there. Mm -hmm. And um, I wrote a story on a coffee buyer there which who was a bit, um, yeah, it was a bit of a crazy time where he just would go down to Caranavi. I don't, it's not how they, it's not certainly not how I, we buy coffee now when we go down there. Um, and he would go down just with like a suitcase of dollars and a gun in his glove compartment 
and go around on a motorbike going to all the little um, colonias to buy the coffee and come back. But I just remember thinking this is just, this world was so exciting. <laughs> I always thought I wanted to be part of it somehow. You, you, never, um, you were never tempted to carry a gun around Glen Mayan? <laughs> not. Although pretty much everyone is armed up there. It's all gamekeeping. <laughs> And, um, and, uh, and yeah, no, it was always, it was always just something that fascinated me. I just, I love, I love drinking coffee, but I love the origin of it and here and the producers and meeting the producers and seeing it from the production side in, in South America. So it was definitely something that had always piqued my interest. And um, when I came back here, uh, I was, I was writing guidebooks for Lonely Planet and just being, after I had my son, Tom, I thought, oh, well, I'll put him in a papoose and carry on traveling the world and writing travel books. And of course, that's not the case. Yeah. And, um, and that's when I thought I did the coffee roasting course in London at um, McCanter then, which I guess was a prelude to the SCA courses. I don't know. I did a th three day course there. And that's when I found this old roaster on eBay and set it up. Um, and started roasting so mm -hmm. 10 years ago now and and how many people are in your team now Fiona we're six of us now yeah yeah so it's re it's really nice it's a nice bunch of us and it's a really good size and um we we all get we're just we're really lucky and there's me and Jamie so I work with uh, my husband as well and um and then the rest of the staff who are brilliant and all bring great skills to the business yeah and you you guys moved I think was it about a year ago now because I haven't I've not actually been up to your new place but you you moved yeah we just a beautiful yeah. setup before but to one that has more space now yes yeah, we moved just across actually still in the business park which is nicer than it sounds but we moved to an old gym so we've got much more space yeah. and um and uh yeah it's, it's lovely and actually we're doing a bit more retail and we've got space, we're getting a new, a second roaster in, we've got more space to store coffee, so we can, we can buy it um, in bulk a bit better. Yeah, it's really nice. I wish you guys could have been coming up this Christmas and we could have been doing the collab here because it's no. a great place I'm longing to show you guys. Yeah, no, that was, uh, yeah, because it was, it was due to be at yours this year, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Punk and the second one threw in Glasgow last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be able to move around a bit more again and manage to get up for visit and stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, well, Lisa, would you like to maybe tell us a little bit about how Dear Green began and uh, what? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I started in 2011, just a little bit after Fiona. Um, I guess I was inspired by previous experiences that I'd had roasting coffee for a company in Australia. Uh, many years beforehand and I always had it kind of in my head so it's like an itch I had to scratch I was like I really want to roast coffee sometime and it never seemed like the right time there wasn't really a coffee culture in Scotland that I had experienced in Australia and it seemed to be maybe kicking off a little bit in London so there was a kind of whisper of it happening in cities around Europe and uh, the culture kind of moved from Australia I guess from um, like west coasts of uh, the states as well so it kind of made its way over and it was maybe just right timing for me personally that I had an opportunity to roast coffee for someone else and 
find out if I still like doing it or not. <laughs> and then I realized I kind of wanted to do it for myself because I had a lot of knowledge and passion and I kind of was a bit overworking for people. And, you know, when you, you're kind of up against a brick wall quite a lot of the time when you know you have ideas and aspirations and I, I can really take a lot of my ideas forward working for someone else. So, yeah, I, I sort of did the same as Fiona and just Googled secondhand coffee roaster. Um, I didn't really have any money to pay for the roaster. I put a deposit on a credit card, uh, managed to find money from private loans uh, because the bank laughed at me and uh, got the money to get the roaster. I remember the guys who sold it to me saying, do you want to visit it first, like to check it's all right? And I was like, I can't actually afford the trip <laughs> to see the roaster so this rose 12 kilo probat roaster arrived uh, on a pallet in january 2012 actually and um installed it in a little design studio which is just off the clyde in glasgow a funny little triangular room <laughs> and uh yeah so it was just really me and the probat and my laptop and my bike that started deer green mm. and i cycled around glasgow and um, you know, I've frequented a lot of bars in Glasgow in my time, so I managed to sell coffee to most of these bars. And just, I kind of just started off selling two kilos a week to bars around town. Um, and it just built up from there. And I think, it, like, in parallel to, like, other cities and other the, the coffee culture that was going on elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, Instagram had just kicked off at the time, so was, coffee was very visual. And it, it was like, almost like a kind of subculture and which gradually became more mainstream and I guess the company just grown organically since then so um over time we've you know increased our business activities doing lots of barista training always focused on quality always focused on sourcing excellent coffee making sure we go to origin uh, making sure we've got these relationships in place uh, uh yeah and yeah, I don't know, just enjoying it and being passionate about it and learning about it as we go as well. So always having a learning curve and increasing our knowledge and expertise. So becoming authorised trainers for the Specialty Coffee Association, becoming Q graders um, and yeah, just advancing with technology. Like Cropster to me is just like my best friend mm -hmm. to help me roast coffee scientifically and get it right. And I trust my palate to make the right choices to make it taste even better. Um, so yeah, it's been a it's been a good journey. It's been enjoyable. Um, there's five of us here now at Deer Green. There was ten at the start of the year, but it's been a tough year for everybody. Mm. Uh, so five, including me. So I'm now the delivery girl. I'm back on the roasting shift, yeah. and uh, we're not doing barista training right now or any events uh, like we used to do. But we're, you know, um, maybe tasting a lot more interesting coffees. Uh, as a result of being more responsive in a way to what the demands are because they've been changing this year and um, quite interestingly we're roasting more single origins maybe than we did before because that's the online market uh, so less espresso blends because we were a wholesale focused company uh, so yeah that's where we're at now Yeah, both, both of you guys, I, I think, um, had much more of a wholesale kind of business than, you know, than steampunk. We've always been pretty small on the old wholesale side of things. 
Um, so is that kind of how you envisage the business, the direction you envisage the business going when you set out or did that just happen organically and it just grew in that direction? Uh, I started on purpose to be wholesale because I started off like a one man band, yeah. a one woman band. So I was like, I knew that if I had a cafe, I would have to have that staffed and I, the complexities of hiring staff for me weren't like on my in my remit when I started off I had no money so I couldn't have staff and, and take that risk mm -hmm. I'm not able to pay anyone so I had to do I had to start the business in a way that I could manage it with one person so I roasted on Monday I delivered on Tuesday I think I collapsed on Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I did like you know catching up with customers on maybe Thursday some barista trainings on Friday I did a taste tasting and shops and stuff like that on Saturdays then I worked in a deli on a Sunday so I had enough money to pay my mortgage so I had my week really planned so that I could operate single-handedly and so that I could do wholesale only yeah. and get to a point where um, I could cover the cost of the business before growing it to have a to have staff um, I, I yeah I think I intentionally started it that way but it it just became the format to move forward with yeah. um, and we did have a coffee bar um, we had a coffee bar for over a year, but we closed um, because of COVID in March. Um, you know, we're not planning to not reopen, but it's just not, it, it's not a viable business model for us to operate that coffee bar right now yeah. due to footfall in the area and the city centre. So um, maybe we'll do, go back to it one day. Pop-ups have been fun. I like doing a pop-up every once in a while. <laughs> but yeah, wholesale was our main business and that's been the hit this year for us is, um, that hospitality is closed so we've had to find a different business strategy and structure really to help us move forward but um I, yeah I agree with you it's been exciting with the online sales meaning that you there's more single origins and less focus on 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 blends and stuff and like you Lisa we've been having a good time cupping a lot of new coffees and getting those up but um with we 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 were very dependent on wholesale at the start of the year and um and we that and the if the crisis taught us anything it's like don't be too dependent on one aspect of the business you need to spread it so we've been focusing on our online sales and also um actually i think because of our location we've set up uh, we set up a takeaway from here which has been which was busy in the summer. I don't know how it's going to work in the winter with the weather up here, which is pretty brutal. But um, people are people are coming to get takeaway coffee from us now, which has been good. It looked like you were doing some really fun uh, different things as well. Didn't you have some food on offer sometimes? Yes, we we do. We've we even managed to sneak in a tiny during like the one month I think it was allowed. Um, an outdoor gig as well, which was fun. Oh, yeah, which is amazing. Um, it, we nearly got scuppered at the last minute when we were told that people could come, but they had to be sitting down. So we had to find 50 or so chairs in an hour, <laughs> which we managed to do. <laughs> BYO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much. It was like <laughs> And um, so how about yourself, Fiona, were you on, when you started off, were you planning on going down the wholesale route or is that just something? No, I, I'm not at all. And I remember when I bought my first palette of greens that um, 
Will at Mac- who Will who was at Macanta then sort of persuaded me to buy um, a bag of Brazilian coffee, saying, oh, "Look, it'd be good if you wanted to do any espresso based drink, espresso based blends." But I was very much focused on um, just buying uh, single origins and. I was just thrilled if I sold a bag, you know, first of all, just a few local delis and I, we slogged it out at the farmer's markets every Saturday around mm-hmm. here, which was fun. And it was a really good way of getting our, our, our brand recognised and, our, you know, getting people to try our coffee for the first time um, that I think a lot of people around here hadn't really ever drunk specialty coffee at all and just seeing their faces and then them coming back the next week going that was amazing and what what else can we buy now so uh yeah wholesale um wasn't wasn't really on my mind I was just I was really pleased just to be selling coffee I remember waking up on Sundays terrified that everyone would be drinking coffee that I'd sold them on the Saturday in the market and (laughs) hoping it was going down well but um, but definitely, but but once we started supplying wholesale, that it was definitely the way forward for our business. It was a way we could grow and buy coffee in bigger quantities and 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 sell more and get it out there. Mm-hmm. So it was it has and still is a very important part of our business. But you know, it's just been so tough with all these, you know, all everyone, all hospitality having to close down. Mm-hmm. And, and recently there has been a, a change in uh, the region where you live with the COVID uh, restrictions. You guys have just gone into stage three, like- Literally, probably just now, at six o'clock tonight, we're going into tier three, but it came as a shock to everyone up here. No one had expected it. We were in tier two, so restaurants could be open in the, in the evenings. Um, I wasn't, I'm not sure, still don't know if you're allowed to have a drink inside. I think you're allowed to have a drink inside with your meal before eight o'clock, an alcoholic drink. But um, they were open and, and we had visitors here. Obviously, people were allowed not to, to come and visit. And, and it was quite, it's been quite buzzy this summer up in the Highlands. And obviously then when um, the central belt got shut down, we saw it got, started getting really quiet up here. But but a lot of hospitality was still open. There was enough ticking over to keep them worth their while. But um, right now I just hear from uh, friends that are running anything in hospitality, just almost on, you know, they're just, they're just saying we're not, we're just going to close as of this weekend. So it's quite worrying. It's quite sad. Yeah. This kind of dovetails into a, a wee question I wanted to ask you guys because um, we have obviously seen each other around over the years at various uh, coffee events and things like that. But it was actually uh, three years ago that we started a wee project together, the Three Roasters Christmas Collaboration. Um, and so we've, you know, obviously worked closer together on on that over the last two years. Usually, like in the two weeks running up to launch. Yeah. <laughs> And then frantically packing coffee together one day and shipping it out. Um, but we we did uh, uh, the design around that very much based on, uh, you know, the, the mountains and the city and the sea, um, you know, because we, we are, operate in three very different locations in different parts of the country. 
do you think that the location that your business exists in has really shaped it? Um, or do you think that your business would be the same in, if you were in a different, if you were in a different location? I think my brand's always been about Glasgow. It's mm -hmm. very subtly right at the beginning. The, you know, I was trying to find a name for the company and I went through, oh, like a whole book of ideas and settled on Dear Green. And the reason for the company being called, being called Dear Green is because it's the um, it's known to be the translation of Glasgow from Gaelic into English. And it was very much when I started the company, it was uh, like not a lot of people knew that unless they were Glaswegian. And when I was starting to run the company, nobody really knew what freshly roasted coffee was. They couldn't understand why it wasn't Italian, uh, why it wasn't like over roasted and dark and vacuum packed and stale. So th this whole concept of freshly roasted, locally roasted coffee was new. And I kind of wanted a subliminal um, like kind of message, almost like psychologically communicating with Glaswegians to make them loyal. So I knew that Glaswegians knew what it meant. Um, people in the coffee industry sort of thought the name meant that it was green coffee, raw coffee. And other people thought I was environmentally friendly or that it was just a nice name. So it like worked on lots of levels. Uh, so I've always been branded as Glasgow and from the city. And for me, I had been so transient. Uh, and I'm from Glasgow and I wanted, I've always been loyal to Glasgow and loved the city. And I, live, I was living in a city at the time and I kind of needed to put down roots. And I like the concept of geography and, and feeling grounded and the feeling of place. Uh, and I spoke to Annette from Square Mile and said, oh, you know, you kind of inspired my name because Square Mile's um, about the Square Mile of London and it's got the same idea. And then she said to me, oh, actually, we were inspired by Stumptown. <laughs> so it's like a little, little um, coffee theme, I suppose, of uh, Portland being Stumptown, London being Square Mile and Glasgow being Dear Green. Yeah. So that, for me, it's very important for me, for my brand. Uh, but I kind of like to be subtle about it, I suppose, as well. But I'm a city girl. I'm from Glasgow. I'm very loyal to, and have a lot of love for the city. And uh, it's, I'd like to think that's what, what people think of when they, they think about Dear Green Coffee. For me, I mean, that definitely shines through. You know, you've always seemed to me very rooted in, in Glasgow, you know. Mm. Um, and I mean, I think you certainly do you supply a lot of businesses in Glasgow and, um, you know, I've always kind of championed, I think, Scottish coffee uh, scene and the Scottish roasting, you know, yeah. in, in many different ways. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, how about you, Fiona, in, from your Bothy and, you know. I own, own definitely our location has had such a huge influence on, not just on our brand, but everything that we're about here. Um, we definitely feel hefted to the land here and um, the sort of outdoor culture is a big part of, of, of uh, our life our life here and everyone that works with us and a lot of the people that come buy coffee here from us, you usually find them like coming in in their like kayaking kit or on their bikes and <laughs> they're usually drinking our coffee out on the top of a hill. So it's something we feel really passionate about. And a few years ago, we started um, uh, planting trees up in the highlands. We've been planting in um, Drumna Drocket and Glenetive. And uh, this year we'll be planting closer to home in a place called Don Coilich. And we um, definitely feel like uh, helping to put something back and help rewild the highlands is a big part 
of what we do to in our in <clears throat> with our business so yeah it's definitely it's had a major impact where we are I don't think I would know how to walk <laughs> on concrete anymore <laughs> I'm so used to sort of schlepping around and on uh you know rural paths and going up hills and being out I'm really into canoeing as well <laughs> oh. so it's something that I've managed to be able to incorporate into into working here as well yeah Get a good, do you have a good work-life balance? No. <laughs> I think it could be better. It was, it, 2020 was all, it's going to be all about a work-life balance. Oh, and yeah? then, <laughs> then 2020 happened. <laughs> and did you not get an enforced work-life balance this year? Well, no, because um, we stayed, we very much stayed um, open uh, as on an online business throughout the yeah. uh, lo first lockdown. Mm -hmm. So, um, although many of our staff were furloughed, we we kept it going. So actually, it was almost the opposite. <laughs> it was almost the opposite. But I'm hugely hugely grateful for um, everyone buying coffee from us online, and those, it kept the business going. It paid our rent, and yeah. Um, yeah, but you guys have always been kind of super busy in the in the Scottish coffee scene, and the coffee scene has grown up kind of around you, um, because ten years ago there was very little going on, like you said, in specialty coffee. Certainly, when when we set up um, a steampunk, it, there was very little going on. Um, it was just just starting. You know, you guys had just started, um, and it's changed tremendously in the past decade. Um, but Lisa, you've been involved uh, in a few really cool, well, quite a lot of <laughs> really great things that have been like about building a, a coffee community here in Scotland, um, starting an Aeropress Championships, which was really uh, awesome. yeah. then um, the Glasgow Coffee Festival, which is a massive, uh, fantastic like coffee event here in Scotland. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's kind of led you to sure. being involved in doing those things? Yeah, I think I, uh, I just kind of liked the culture of coffee and specialty coffee in other cities and kind of felt like we didn't really have it. So even though I was roasting coffee, you guys were roasting coffee, they're like we weren't all getting together to talk about it. There wasn't really a community and there were, you could follow events online in other countries and cities and, and it always looked like fun. And so yeah, the Aeropress Championship, I just knew that you could apply to do that. Also, the year I did it, it was a little bit of a take on the fact that um, UK Aeropress Championship was essentially the Shoreditch Aeropress Championship. <laughs> so I was like, let's bring it home. Let's bring something uh, to Scotland. And on the back of that, there's ended up being an English Aeropress Championship, a Welsh one, a Northern Irish. Uh, so... Yeah, it's kind of funny. It started off with 60 people in a pub uh, like during the day in a pub that would usually be closed and down a little alleyway in Glasgow city centre. And I think there was like 10, was it 10 or maybe 20? I don't can't actually remember people competed, but they were maybe the only 20 people in Scotland that had an aeropress <laughs> <laughs> or that knew how to use it. And they'd brought their friends along or their family along to spectate. So it was about 60 people all in. 
and everyone in the audience was just like what is going on so I was there. it was a really good night <laughs> it was pretty funny wasn't it and then yeah. the second year was you know the, the culture had really grown and even in one year it just was super fast um so yeah so that was the Aeropress championship I think and then the the coffee festival I, I used to organize wine fairs when I worked in the wine industry so I was kind of like a I'd, before I'd sort of hired a hall and got a bunch of people in it before so that I didn't really consider it you know a big deal or a risk I was like okay let's just see what happens so I think we sold maybe a couple of hundred tickets but on the day 900 people turned up so from because of that we're like all right so this works people want this we'll do it again um yeah it's quite a it, like you say it's a really it's a big event and it's grown every year uh, I don't think that was the initial intention. <laughs> it's just the way it's gone. But when you go to lots of events, you get so inspired by other coffee events and the events around them as well, the fringe events and then all the other, all the businesses that take part and every, everyone who adds to it and, um, you know, makes it kind of multi-layered and exciting for consumers. So that's kind of happened every year, I guess, that, they, you know, there's been a competitions at the event. We moved from two, one day to two days. Um, there's after parties. We've had cinemas, loads of talks, which you guys have taken part in and helped and supported the festival with as well. Talking about origin or Jamie showing his photographs from trips that he's done. And yeah, it's been fab. Uh, this year was, you know, it's a huge undertaking for us. And um, we're not doing it for financial gain. We never intend to but it's big drain on our resources. So to be honest, this year was a little bit of a relief. <laughs> we didn't have to organise it. Um, and we also, with the help of John Thompson, I started the UK Coffee Roasting Championship a couple of years ago as well. So last year that we didn't host that, which is also a bit of relief because it's a huge undertaking, but it's sad not to have something for us all to uh, meet at and catch up with one another at and... So I guess that's why this year we organised an online cupping for roasters to get together so that you can uh, cup with someone <laughs> or like with a group and discuss coffees together and, and discuss one another's coffees and be proud of um, what we do and enjoy one another's company and feedback. And so that was really nice to do that a Zoom cupping online this year. Um, but that was for the wider UK community. Um, and in the, the Glasgow Coffee Festival this year, we did it as a whole different concept. And it was about just supporting cafes and trying to drive footfall locally. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys didn't get involved because it, we didn't, you know, we don't want to go against guidelines and we don't know what the guidelines are going to be from week to week. So um, that was just a very much a localised event that maybe there's a template that anyone can copy now and do it in their own area. Mm -hmm. So literally we got 50 businesses um, who all paid to be involved and that money went towards a, a PR company who did the PR and the social media for the event uh, and then we sold tickets for um, to consumers where they got discounts for 10 days if they had a ticket in 50 businesses around the city so it meant that you know a lot of cafes that customers didn't know existed now have new customers um, you know, people were looking for something to do as well, a little bit bored and like, oh, great, we can get this ticket and wonder about Glasgow. And there's a kind of guide to places that um, have been kind of handpicked that, that um, make coffee really well. So, yeah, that was this year's concept. And that's maybe a really nice one to move forward with, actually, which is less work for us at Zero Green. And actually, the whole ethos of the 
Coffee Festival originally was to support local businesses and to help that grow. So maybe that's just a really great way to move forward to support these businesses um, and, and next year for sure, because I don't really think we'll have a physical festival next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can plan for the plan for the time ahead. Yeah. Interesting seeing how creative businesses have had to be this year, uh, you know, in responding to to these different circumstances that we all have to operate in. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting year, that's for sure. And, oh, and what about oh my god, there is one more thing I want to talk about. Brexit. <laughs> no, I can't face. <laughs> Have you guys had any room in your heads to think about Brexit this year? I've not? forgotten all about that. Is that not this time <laughs> last year we were talking about that? Surely that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> Surely it's not going to happen. No, forgotten about that now. Yeah. Uh, do you know what's just just brought it to my mind this week, actually, because we we do subscriptions um, as 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 you guys do as well. But um, we we have we do send some out to to people in European countries, and we thought, well, it's about time we just do a um, a European subscription. You know, that has that kind of all organized with the shipping and everything. Um, and then we suddenly thought, oh. <laughs> what's that going to be like next year is there going to be a problem are we going to have to fill in a customs form for every packet is it going to cost us way more you know what what is the effect of this going to be it's the uncertainty which is so hard oh, it's not knowing how to work around anything yeah um, but... i have to say like this year i've carried through generally on a fairly even keel up until was it about a month ago or something i got a a letter you know i don't know about you but i i seem to get endless letters from inland revenue saying are you brexit ready I got this letter. <laughs> I got this letter. we just had i don't know it had just been like a really busy day and working with the mask and you know it was hot and it was hard to communicate with people um you know i think i'd had the day before somebody called me a fascist for not wanting to take cash I'd, i just had a, like a, a bunch of stuff and i was like i was fine i was rolling with it it was fine and then i opened this letter about brexit and i was like okay i, I just can't i can't deal with it like i just can't even think i had to go and sit and look at the sea for like 10 minutes because i just thought i was gonna like lose it you know um but yeah it does seem to be like this thing that's sitting at the back of our heads but nobody knows what it's gonna yeah i think we've started or like we've started or stopped securing coffee that's in warehouses that aren't in the uk so you know we used to get some coffee being like hamburg or antwerp so we're we're just holding um fast on that in terms of decision making for some coffees so there's some things that we're doing and we don't send that much overseas at the moment so um it's a very small proportion we're not going to stop doing it but if we lose that or it becomes more complex it's not going to affect our business too much also this year has just thrown so many things at us we can deal with anything <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how I feel I'm like <laughs> give it to me I can take it <laughs> so I don't know I, I, I really you know the, the movement of coffee it could be an issue that's within our supply chain and isn't as complex for us as roasters as it is for the importers and the exporters but it seems a lot of the importers are keeping coffee a lot of coffees in European warehouses now yeah would have 
traditionally been over here in in um, in London or in the southeast. So um, I, I sometimes see coffees that I like, and they, as you say, they are they are in Hamburg or yeah. um, Antwerp, and yeah. and it's a hassle to get them now. Already, it takes a good week or a bit to get them delivered yeah. up. Here. And I don't. I would hate to think how long that could take you know after January next year mm. so I hope they'll keep on bringing good coffee into this into the UK yeah. that it could possibly impact the range of coffee that we're we're going to be able to offer it's hard to say isn't it yeah yeah, yeah I feel like right now I've uh, you know I've got all my contracts in place so the timing in January you don't buy too much coffee anyway mm-hmm. so really it's going to be by the time April comes around and we're looking for a new crop yeah. that and hopefully by then there'll be, you know, anything will be ironed out. Yeah. Uh, there'll be decisions made by importers where they're going to store their coffee based on the UK market of roasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does mean our choice is narrowed down because quite often we have this, you end up with the same coffee as another roaster, which, which can be nice. Mm-hmm. You know, like depending on where they are, or, um, you know, it's just quite a saturated market. Uh, so yeah I guess choices will be restricted mm-hmm. next year's collaboration three roasts of the same coffee yeah yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> the roast, ro- roast boys are like 20 roasts of the same coffee I'll be cupping that on Thursday that'll be fun <laughs> oh I hope that goes well enjoy yeah yeah it'll be great it'll be great yeah, yeah I look forward to hearing how it all goes <laughs> the nerve-wracking part is roasting it the cupping bit's easy <laughs> hopefully (laughs) oh it was so nice to talk to you guys and um thank you so much for your time i've I've really appreciated it it's been lovely (laughs) thanks for arranging always nice to catch up yeah and uh and yeah it's a shame we won't be packing together this time but i'm sure we'll be whatsapping like mad in the next couple of weeks it can be virtual packing we can lock (laughs) it into the same slot (laughs) pack by zoom how about that yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh awesome thank you so much guys it's been okay it's been so good to to see you guys on zoom and catch up yeah it's been lovely thank you yeah. and all the best guys Have yeah, a you too. <laughs> take care you too bye okay